Hello and welcome to Keep Right On, a Birmingham City podcast brought to you from us here at Birmingham Live. I'm Brian Dick and I'm joined as ever by our Blues reporter, Alex Dickin, with whom I spent far too much Saturday on the long, uh, sometimes quite slow A14 uh, to and from Ipswich. Hi Alex, how are you doing? I'm good, thanks Brian. It wasn't too bad once you got around that puddle. Um it was all right, yeah. wasn't it? <laughs> I think Puddle's probably doing it a, a slight injustice. It was, it, it was, it was more of a C, I thought. But yeah, it, it was, it was big enough to take up two lanes of the A14, wasn't it, and and delay us for twenty minutes. But we got there in the end, and we probably got what we expected to as well overall. Um, yeah, so obviously we're going to reflect on Ipswich, a three-one defeat for Birmingham City. Uh, they uh, didn't really feature in the first half, but somehow they managed to produce a, a great equaliser. Had their moments in the second half without ever really working the goalkeeper, and then uh, won all with ten minutes to go. And unfortunately, got away from them. Alex, what what are your main takes or your your thoughts from that 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 uh, visit to Portman Road? I think it was a deserved defeat first and foremost. Um, Blues were outplayed in the first half. How they managed to go in. A half-time level, you know, I think it was beyond most of us because Ipswich completely dominated in every single aspect for probably 42 minutes of the first half. Um, really nice goal, to be fair. Blue scored in the stroke of half-time. Miyoshi, great play down the right. A lovely pullback for Jordan James. Very good finish from about 12 yards. Eighth of the season the league. That's only adding to his price tag. Um, but again, at the start of the second half, I thought Blues did quite well and managed to wrestle back some control they, they lacked in the first half. And they had a couple of openings, mainly through Stansfield. One where the ball's coming over his shoulder for a volley that he just didn't quite connect with. Um, and another where he's forced the goalkeeper into a save, but I, I thought it was a strange save, to be honest. The goalkeeper's kind of got across and managed to palm it in the other direction. Um, it's a decent effort, though, and that's probably as good as it got. They didn't really create anything that clear-cut. And then, obviously, there was the moment in the 81st minute where Sariki Dembele has lost... Axel Twenzebi and he's gotten behind and pulled the ball back for Sarmiento to score and from there I didn't see Blues getting back into it. Yeah, there was a lot of talk post-match uh, both on social media and in the press conference as well about, about the substitutions that, uh, mm. that that Mark Venus made. Uh, 63 minutes gone and uh, he, he makes a triple substitution um, with, with Bakuna, Dembele and Sunjic all coming on in place of uh, Park or Peck, sorry, uh, Andre Dazelle and Tyler Roberts, and and, and crucially the, the the sort of the, the double double pivot in the midfield axis uh, went, didn't it? Is it fair? Is it fair to say though, Alex, that for for ten minutes those substitutions had a reasonably positive effect, or maybe even longer? As as soon as they got on the field, Dembele and Bakuna were dancing around inside Ipswich's penalty area weren't they and they, they yeah. threatened to create an opening they didn't do enough for me it was just tricks and, and no substance but um briefly yeah but when when Ipswich kind of got to grips with them I think we noticed the imbalance it had created in midfield more than anything else Ivan Sunich was almost left there on his own a lot of the time I'm not sure who was supposed to be playing alongside him or if any indeed anyone was but it looked a lot like Miyoshi was sometimes filling in that right central midfield berth or sometimes Jordan James and Bakuna would drop a little deep both as eights yeah. um but it was Sunich was was isolated and, and they exposed him a couple of times and, and Blues weren't made to pay but eventually that goal came down 
the Blues left. Um, and it was probably, I think we should probably go straight into it. Dembele was probably partly to blame, wasn't he? Or if not wholly to blame for the way they got in. I'm struggling to think, point the finger at somebody else, if I'm honest. Mm. Um, yeah, I, I mean, to, I think that was virtually the first time Tu and Zebi had got forward all, all game, wasn't it? And Man of the match, though. Yeah, <laughs> rather surprisingly. Uh, interestingly, in, in, in the build-up, I, I know one I know one of the um, people at work uh, behind the scenes at Ipswich, uh, and, and they were quite worried about Tu and Zebi. And they said, if there's a way into this Ipswich mm. side, it's 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 down that it's it is down that that right back berth. Uh, where Harry Clark um, was absent, but Blues didn't really test her and Zebby, and not only did they not test him, they, they, they didn't follow him. And it's just the basics, isn't it? You've got to track a runner, and uh, it brings us back to the. I mean, you, you've asked. I think it was you that asked um, Tony Mowbray about Dembele and why he's not starting. And did I mean was it was that just summed up uh, in in that in that one incident? I think it does. It brings us back to the first the first very first kind of interaction we had with Tony Mowbray about Dembele where he, you know, I think praised one of his games against Swansea in the first game and his performance there was very good, but he also made the point that he'd had to kind of give him a stern warning in training the previous week because Dembele hadn't been running when he didn't have the ball. And he asked him why and Dembele said, because I was trying to conserve energy for when I do have the ball. And obviously Tony Mowbray wasn't having that. Um, that's probably it's probably a habit in Dembele more than anything because if you think about the way Blues would have played under John Use at the start of the season, where a lot of it was engineered to get the best out of Dembele on that left hand side, he was effectively allowed a lot of the time to not really take his defensive responsibilities on. It was more kind of leave you kind of handling that left left back area by himself. And obviously Tony Mowbray is not having that, and and that's not the way Blues are playing at the moment. So he's got to get to grips with that, or he won't play. Simple as that, and that's what we've seen in the last three three games. He hasn't started, and looking at the Southampton game coming up this weekend, that's a game where the, a lot of the ball is going to be on the floor. Blues are going to have to be clinical and creative when they have you know possession because they're not going to have a lot of it against a Russell Martin team that just effectively wants the ball all the time. Someone like Dembele would be useful, but can you start him after he's came on against Ipswich and been at fault for their goal? Probably not. Well, what I would say to that is that Southampton are going to have a lot of the ball, maybe as much as seventy percent, and Blues Blues press will be absolutely key because they'll they they will try try and play out from from deep, and and if if Dembele's on that wing and he's not put, doing his part of the press, then Southampton are going to be out, and Blues are going to be in trouble, aren't they? So. So yes, you want his quality when and, and the rare occasions that, that Blues do have the ball. But if most of that game is without the ball, then you know I think it's a very very fair question question to ask. Um, yeah, it, I, I, I don't know. I, I just was he completely absolved of any defensive responsibility under Eustace? Because I did see on Twitter some somebody say, well, or somebody say that Dembele shouldn't be given defensive responsibility. He should be able to stay in, in, the, in the attacking third and just allowed to express himself. There's a fine line there, isn't there? I do think Eustace created a, a system, particularly when, when Blues were out of possession, where Dembele's work going backwards would be minimal. I, I do think he left him, he, had, he allowed him that kind of freedom a lot more than any other players because obviously he knew Dembele's quality. And under Eustace, Dembele was by far the most effective attacking player, let's be honest, he was. Um, the, issue, the issue I have is he's a, clearly a very talented player, but is he talented enough compared to some of his teammates to say, this is the guy who we're going to 
you know, absolve from defensive responsibility and allow him to focus on being effective on the ball in the attacking third. And the rest of you have got to really muddle in and muck in and, and you know, put the grafting going backwards to make sure we, you know, we're not shortchanged and don't concede goals that way. That's almost like a kind of a messy role, isn't it? You know what I mean? Where he's playing for Argentina and the other 10 guys know we've got to work our socks off and just get the ball to him so he can do his magic. Um, Dembele's not in that league. We spoke actually as we were leaving the ground, didn't we, about, you know, he's 27 with his ability, probably should be playing in the Premier League. There's obviously a reason that he's not there at this age and that's probably because he doesn't do both sides that well. Yeah, frustrating, isn't it? Because, you know, you could put us there, you, you more effectively than me. And the one thing we could do would be, would be to would be to run and be to to be defensively studious. It seems like a choice, doesn't it? Um, mm. You know, not not to do it, and that's really frustrating because, as, as you say, you know, the 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 other side of the game has got an absolute bucket bucket loads and. To decide or not to do it, or to not try and get better at it, if he has, then you know I apologise. It, it certainly didn't look like like that he was that engaged with with that particular responsibility in in, in that moment on on Saturday. I just find it a little bit mystifying because because he, as you said, he could have the the, the, the footballing world at his feet in you know in a, in, in 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 at least a small way. Mm. Yeah, no, I, I agree and. It was it was a game of subs, wasn't it? When you think about it, because the blue subs changed it negatively eventually, and the Ipswich subs were, were so positive because Amari Hutchinson. I know he came on in the twenty second minute, but he scored. You know the the game clinching goal. He was involved in the second goal as well. Jeremy Sarmiento scored the winning goal for them. So yeah, yeah, it's it was it was frustrating. Can you criticise Mark Venus for for the subs? It's hard. I think it's hard to criticise him because he's in, obviously in a, a position that he's probably not normally in, that he doesn't make those decisions on a weekly basis. Tony Mowbray will make those calls and obviously Mowbray being at the stadium would have the feel for it and know what he needs to do, whereas he can't make those calls, you know, from a from a telephone, for example. That's That wouldn't be, wouldn't be right, would it? I wouldn't think. Because um, he needs to have kind of that understanding and flow of the game of, that you get from being inside the stadium. Um, yeah, what what we do, also Alex, sorry, is what we don't get is we don't get the data that Mark Venus is will will, will yeah be, yeah will be privy to. You know, they're all they're all GPS stuff, aren't they? These players and and they'll be the coaching staff will be and the, and the analysts will be aware of who's fatigued. And certainly, Mark Venus cited that, didn't he, in, in his post match mm. press press conference that that, that that players were tiring. Um, so you know, it's, we we don't have all the the, the full picture that that, that they have. Yeah, and Tony Mowbray has pointed that out a few times when he's made subs previously. Um, I think in every in the last three games we've seen Peck substituted, and around the sixty minute mark, haven't we? And in each of those three games, they've probably been sat there. Oh, why is he taking him off? He's playing really well, but it's obviously something to do with his data, having not played that many games before joining Blues in the previous, you know, what two or three months. Um, so they need to look after these players because you can't have them break down. Blues have got a long way to go in this season. You don't want to be without a key player for those matches. Um, so yeah, it's 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 a, it's a double edged sword, isn't it? I suppose you, you, you're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't. Um, yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, yeah. Move moving on, and the day the day wasn't helped by results elsewhere, was it, Brian? I remember when I got into the press press room afterwards, and you pointed out the. Uh, that most of the teams beneath Blues in the in the championship table had actually won 
I, I looked at it and it's six of eight teams below Blues had won at the weekend. Uh, even Blackburn had got a point against Norwich to leapfrog Blues. So Blues are now in 18th, uh, six points above the bottom three with a game in hand. Uh, I am going to actually include a nifty little graphic for those watching on YouTube right now, the league table. Um, so, yeah, it's it looks a little bleaker now, Brian, than it did, doesn't it? Yeah, it, it does. Um, the, the the gap to the bottom three is now as half, doesn't it, in, in the space of a weekend. It's, it's now down to three points. Blues do have a game in hand. Uh, that, that's only fair to point out. I often think that goal difference is quite an accurate mm. sort of indicator of, of how good a team is. And if you look at Blues' goal difference there on minus 13, it's kind of ballpark for the other teams that are down there, isn't it? You've got <coughs> Wall on minus 14, uh, QPR on minus 13, Stoke on minus 17. So I don't think we can really argue that it's a false position if, if that's mm. an indicator. Now, yes, there, there are a billion circumstances as to, as to why, why Blues are there, starting with you know what happened in, in, early, in early October. Uh, or you can maybe even go back to the transfer window and, and, and in, in the summer and say they signed too many injury injury playing players. There's not time for that in Quest now. So there are lot there are lots of reasons there. But it, it the table the table tells its story after 33 games, doesn't it? And other teams have played 34. Um, just wins and points are needed. Uh, I suppose the only cr one crumb of comfort I would draw from the weekend is if someone like Plymouth can go to Middlesbrough and and, and win, um, or you know QPR pull off another surprise. There are shock results, and there's no reason mm. to think that Blues won't produce <coughs> some some of their own shock results as well. Yeah, no, I agree. And, and the game the game in hand is against Middlesbrough, isn't it? So hopefully that's one of the difficult games coming where Blues can take three points. Uh, we, we seem to be talking about this every single week on the podcast because it's a, the picture changes constantly. That's the, the crazy nature of the championship. Um, I think a few weeks ago, you said Blues weren't in a relegation battle. And then the next <laughs> week, it was like Blues are in a relegation battle. Brian, what are, you, what, are you, what are you thinking now? For me, it's Blues are in a relegation battle until they aren't. And at the moment, because of the results and because of the two games coming up in quick succession, in particular against Southampton and Hull, which on the on paper you would expect Blues to to lose against a team that's I think fourth in the league and the other that's sixth. Um, Blues could be could be teetering right above the bottom three, if not twenty second by the time they face Millwall at the Den on uh, on March 9th. Um So. I don't. I think Blue, I still think Blue Squad is too good to go down. It's got too much quality in there. It shouldn't be in this position. But but there are there's there's they're down there for a reason, like you say, and they've got to get out of it. My 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 belief is still that Blues will stay up. But I think there's going to be a, a horrible turn to come where they could even end up being the twenty second place team because I think that will change multiple times between now and May. Yeah, well, there's there's still a, there's still what thirty six, thirty nine points to play for, so it it will absolutely um, change. I mean, when you asked me are Blues in the relegation scrap a few weeks ago, I would have said no, and then that's changed, and now and now it's impossible to say that they're not, isn't it? Really, you know, one more weekend of negative results 
and then uh, you know and then they're maybe one point outside the relegation zone or you know just in it or two places above it or something like that it'd just be illogical to say that you know that that they they won't they they can't go down i don't think they will go down like you but it's just be it just be defying all the evidence and all the numbers to say that they can't go down um the one thing that worries me you look at the look at the 11 and and you say good keeper great right back um right backs in fact uh, <coughs> yeah abs- absolute quality in the, with, with peck and Dazelle in the in, in the middle of the park stansfield's a good player jj's having a season of his life there's so many reasons to be positive i suppose the one thing that bothers me massively is 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 the defensive lapses mm. uh, you know that that's something that probably hasn't changed no matter who the manager's been i think even eustace's side were, were prone to defensive lapses unless they went uber 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 conservative and and you know d- and made sure they kept hold of their nil nil side of the scoreline. Um, yeah, I th- that that is the that is the the worry for me is that clean sheets have always been hard to keep this season. Seven seven clean sheets in thirty three games. That's that's bad. That is bad when you look at it because that's maybe maybe they'll keep ten if they're lucky now in the entire season. Last year it was I think thirteen or fourteen. Um, so yeah, seven. That's that's been a major problem. Um, Blues have conceded 51, 51 goals in those thirty-three games as well. Biggest problem for me has been there's not been a settled centre-back pairing since October, as the you know since it was Dion Sanderson and Kevin Long who started those first I don't know twelve, thirteen games together. It's been chop and change. We've had Emmanuel Ivu come in. We've had Mark Roberts coming in and out of the team. Christian Bielik is now input at centre back. You know, in, in one game, I think. Levy Cannon's played there. In another game, Cody Drummer is deputised there. So it has been really, really mix and match. There's been a lot of partnership. I think I was working it out last week or the week before, and I'm sure there was nine or ten pairings that have started games together this season. And I think since Mowbray has come in, I think there's been five. Um, wow. So, so that's a, that's a lot. It's a lot considering there's been there's been nine games in that time. Um, there needs to be a settled pair, and, and con, that, con, that I think that question is going to come later, actually, in the in the question and answer section. But you know, for me at the moment, the the, the pairing that kind of has filled me with confidence over the last three or four weeks has been Christian Bielik and and Mark Robertson. Obviously, that was broken up with with Bielik getting injured before the Ipswich game. Uh, yeah, absolutely, and more than more than those nine, ten, eleven combinations. There's been a back three. There's been a back five. There's been a back four, hasn't yeah. there? As well, it, yeah. you know, it's it's the the variables have been ever shifting, mm. uh, and I think most most managers will tell you, you know, you build you build from the back. Um, you know, the fact Mowbray didn't get a a centre half in in this in in January kind of suggests that he sees. He sees the right options, and you know he sees he sees some some sort of partnerships that he can work with. Hopefully, he will yeah. set settle on one. And and I did ask him that after after one of the games in in a post match press conference that you know will is it your intention to eventually settle on a, on a on on a single central defensive partnership? And he kind of suggested it was, didn't he? Mm. Um, but obviously, Sanderson Sanderson's injury put put pay to that. Then Belix not put pay to that, and Roberts has been in and out as well. So, um, 
Yeah, it, it, it does need sorting. And, and as you'll say, we'll come on to the right combination or our, our perception of, of the right combination in a bit. But mm. yeah, I, I would feel so much happier if I knew what back four was playing. And I just wonder, uh, I'm going to throw this out there and I know we haven't actually talked about it. Is it time just to get Lee Buchanan, Lee Buchanan back onto his natural side? And, you know, maybe, you know, he's a bit more defensively solid potentially. And, and then you obviously lose something going forward. So, and, and then, then you don't score the goals and it, you know, you start to start to mm. be conservative again, don't you? And, and, and not, not, not sort of, um, play out Mowbray's more, more attacking philosophy. I'm not wholly uneasy with the fullback situation, to be honest. That that doesn't massively concern me. I think whichever side, whichever pairing of of Ethan Laird, Cody Jarmay, and Levy can and play, you're going to be in fairly safe hands. I think. I don't think having Laird at left back takes away a great deal defensively. Although a lot of the problems Ipswich caused against Blues were down that side, but I don't think that was that was on Laird, to be honest. Sing, single-handedly, I think it was a, a combination, but it was also probably Dembele's fault when he came on. So, no, I, um, I even, yeah, I even think in the first half, actually, when Wes Burns was on, um, he wasn't being tracked back, was he? I'm not, I'm not sure. No, um, JJ yeah. did, JJ did enough to help out Laird in that in that situation. If we've been massively honest, um, yeah, yeah I, I, I suppose the key is don't get outnumbered down the flanks and don't lose jewels in in, in the middle. So, yeah. Mm. Um, just quickly before we move on, this got me very quick because we we don't want to spend too long on it and I do love to let us make fools of ourselves. Um, so there's the table again, Brian. Name your three relegated teams. I think one of them is probably a given and then I'll name mine. Thanks. Uh, okay, I'm going I'm to go Rotherham and Sheffield Wednesday. Uh, I know you've been in, quite impressed by Sheffield Wednesday's Danny Roll, um, but I just think they are... You know, one Barry Bannon tweaked calf away from being quite an ordinary side. So I'm going to go those two. Uh, I've looked at the odds before you um, you you threw me under the bus here, uh, and and Blues, amazingly, you know you can get you can get odds as long as eleven to one against relegation mm. for Blues. You know you get sixes to sixes to one and eights to one. That's pretty much or seven to one. That's pretty much where the where most bookmakers are. are are pitching it for blue, so they do see them. They they really do see them as outsiders for, for relegation. Mm. So the third, the third sort of, the third team that the bookmakers consider to be most likely are QPR and Stoke. Um, I don't see QPR going down. If I'm honest, Stoke, Stoke, Stoke would trouble me. Mm. Um, I'm it just looks you know, after twenty four signings in in the summer, it doesn't feel like they they really. They've got their got their partnership settled. So I'll go Sheffield Wednesday, Rotherham, and at the risk of you broadcasting this to everybody in 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 Staffordshire and notifying Pete Smith, Pete Smith, our colleague, I'll say Stoke. I'm I'm with you on that. To be fair, I just think well, Stoke, good. Has been, Stoke has been so poisonous for so long. I just think they're going to drop, and the teams also down there. QPR really picked up. Millwall, I don't see going down now. Neil Harris there because they'll be absolutely horrible to play against for the remainder of this season, um, and the others as well. I, I just think it will be Stoke. I think they've been they've made too many errors on the recruitment side over the last few years, particularly in the summer. I just think they're going to they're going to eventually pay the price for it. And it's going to catch up with them, and I think that's going to be this season. Um, I might be wrong; they might have gone a good run, but that's just the way I feel at the moment. Um, Sheffield Wednesday, for, for, honestly, I've, I've, I don't want to 
come across like I've got some sort of uh, crush on Danny Roll, but they they would be probably not even in the conversation if the season had started when Danny Roll took over, given what they've done. Um, you know, I think all of their nine wins have come under him, and he took over in October around the time when Blue started sinking. Um, but yeah, I, I, on squad wise, they they are them and Rotherham are the, the worst teams in the league. But I think Stoke will join them. Um, moving on to the questions and takes. Takes first. I've had a fair few good ones this week. To be fair, thanks for uh, for sending those over. And as ever, we appreciate it. I hope you'll keep doing it. Um, Matt Hawkins. Lost control of the midfield after Peck and Dazelle were dragged, invited the pressure onto us in the last 15 minutes and paid the price. No complaints with the results have to be better against Southampton. Um, Brian, I think we both agree on the, the midfield point, don't we? Uh, we've mentioned that we're not sure on the on the variables surrounding those substitutions, whether there was injury or potentially fatigue at mind, which, which Mark Venus alluded to. But Blues do have a lot more control, especially in possession when when Peck and Dazella are on the field. I thought Peck was playing really well, to be honest, for for th- probably the thirty minutes before he was substituted, um, end of the first half and first 15, 20 minutes of the second half. I thought he was really effective and was getting some quite harsh treatment from the uh, from the Ipswich players. Uh, mm. I particularly enjoyed it when Massimo Luongo fouled Peck and Koji Miyoshu ran over and shoved him to the ground. Um, he, he seemed to be uh, seemed to be back in his teammates' corner there, but uh, but yeah, they were always going to be a miss, weren't they? Brian Peck and Dazelle, two good players. Yeah, yeah they, and, and as we said, they were, and as we said earlier, it wasn't an immediate effect because I do think um, Bakuna and Dembele brought a little bit of spark to to Blues in the first sort of five ten minutes that, that, mm. that they were on. Um, I, th- I think that uh, the plan was for uh, for Sunjic to man mark Connor Chaplin. Um, potentially, I think Mark Venus mentioned mentioned that afterwards, but they just got played around. He got played around, didn't he? You know, if Hutchinson would come in, come inside, and Ross Broadhead mm-hmm. was there as well, and 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 obviously Ch- Chaplin's good at finding space. Just got just got played around. So I, I would, I, I don't know that Blues midfield was ever massively to grips or had mass huge amount of control mm-hmm. on the game, but you know whatever little control that they had, I, I felt that did go. You know, once it which figured out what Blues were trying to do to them. Mm. Uh, Pink Panther. I started the day thinking it's Ipswich. It'll be a tough game. Probably can't judge too harshly if we lose, etc. Then Millwall produce Coupon Buster and wins for QPR, Sheffield Wednesday, Huddersfield, and others. Getting nervous a tad, and that Millwall game looks massive. Um, that Millwall game does look huge, doesn't it? Now, Brian, Blues away at Millwall. Yeah. Yeah, it, it it does. I, I'm I'm not going to rule blues picking rule out blues picking something up in uh, from the next two games. I could see them quite easily get get a point from one one of these two games, and mm. you know one from six is not a good return, and that, that that's not enough. But I, I'm I've not written those off yet. I mean, it, it just obviously it depends what everyone else does as well. Um, Tadner, the the phrase that leapt out for me there was was tad nervous. I think that probably sums up where I am. A little bit. I, I'm. I'm not. You know. There's, excuse me. There's been times in the last ten years when I've been more than a tad nervous. There's been times when I've been absolutely fraught. You know that that, that Blues would go down. I'm not there now. Um. But I'm much much less calm, or, or about it than I'm. You know, I was four days ago. I've got to say. Mm, yeah, I think I'm on the same page there, Brian. Um, Monster Mowbray. 
What a take this! What a take this is. <laughs> this is a belter. Um, <laughs> I'm going to enjoy reading this. To Brian, I'm glad you're not the one handing out new contracts at the club. Really don't see how Etheridge justifies a new contract, even as a number two. Get someone in who could actually play with the ball at their feet. Go on, Brian. <laughs> well, I'm glad I'm not the one handing out the contracts as well, and I'm sure everyone else is. So I, th- I think we ag- we agree on that. Um, what at the risk of covering old ground? Um, I just sense that that I wouldn't be massively in favour of keeping Ruddy as a, as a number two personally. I think if you're picking the potential better of of, of the two goalkeepers in in terms of you know, being your number two and, and coming on in, in an emergency, I, I potentially would go Etheridge. All I've done there is restate, restate my opinion. I haven't really explained it, have I? Um, just Etheridge is a bit younger. Um, I, I, yeah, I, okay. Listen, he's not he's not great with his feet. I get that. And he wouldn't be the number one. And potentially, you know, you, you don't ever really want to play your number two goalkeeper, do you? Um yeah, I mean, I can, I can take that on on the chin. I, I, I think that, that that's that's fair enough. Yeah, I, you know, maybe Etheridge isn't the ideal number two. I'm not sure Ruddy's the ideal number two either, which maybe leads you leads me back to being talked round into getting rid of both of them. Yeah, I think that's definitely a possibility as well, um, and a complete revamp with a different style of goalkeeper. Um, yeah. Uh, on to questions. Lester Pyatt is first. Are we getting to a situation that when Bielik is fit, Sanderson makes way? In our current situation, we can't wait for him to get up to speed. Um, yeah, that's that's the, the one I was touching on earlier when we were discussing this. Uh, I don't think Sanderson played badly, actually, against it. it just, I, I, you, could, you could obviously see that he'd been a month without football and there was a tad, a tad little bit of rustiness there. Um, I never really like Sanderson as much when he plays on the left-hand side either. I prefer him when he's on the right. I think he always looks more comfortable there. Um, and he obviously had to play on the left with with Mark Roberts on the right. Um, at the moment, my, my own opinion is that if Bielik is fit for Southampton, which Mark Venus suggested there's a, there's a good chance, I would stick with the partnership of Bielik and Mark Roberts. I think Mark Roberts has actually done really well in the last few games. Defensively, I think he did very well against Ipswich in the first half to to help keep the score down. Uh, there was a really good uh, tackle right in front of Kiefer Moore that was effectively goal-saving because he was, he was there waiting to tap in uh, in the fifth or sixth minute that Mark Roberts made. So, yeah, at the moment, Mark Roberts... And Bielik, long-term, I think it should be Sanderson and Bielik. Um, Sanderson's got a higher ceiling than Mark Roberts, in my opinion. I think he's he's shown at various points this season that he's a very, very good defender at this level. And I think the partnership with Bielik was was showing signs of promise before injury broke it up. Um, yeah, I, I've been sitting here thinking about which, which, which two of the three I'd go for, and I keep changing my mind. But, uh, bizarrely, the one I would say would... Roberts would be the one, and it, it would be picking the, the other one for me. Uh, and I know I'm getting a bit of a reputation as a, as a as an arch defender of the Mark Roberts Protection Society, but <laughs> I, I thought he had a good game on 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 Saturday. And everyone's going to point at the at the, the flick on that Kiefer Moore got for the third goal. Um, but that to me, it's it's the curse of the of, of the centre back, isn't it? You 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 can def- you can defend like a hero for for eighty nine minutes. Lose lose one duel, 
uh, and therefore a goal. And it looks like you've had a bad game. I don't think Roberts had a bad game. I thought, mm. thought Roberts stood up to Kiefer more pretty well. And Kiefer Moore's an awkward customer because he's he's built like an outhouse, but you know he 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 drops off into in, into space just in front of the back four and then goes to goes to ground whenever you're near him. So I think it, I think Roberts dealt with him quite well. I have to say, and, and until that one flick on, but then mm. you know there was absolutely no cover, was there? Um, mm. in, in, for for that third goal, yes, yes, Moore got the flick on, but. You know, I'm not sure what Blues were doing it with with the right back position by that stage. To be honest with you, and and um, was it Hutchinson ran ran through and and, and scored yeah. scored scored the third? <sighs> yeah. So Roberts, yes, for me, I it's a flip of a coin between Bielik and 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 Sanderson for me. I I think potentially I would go just go Sanderson because of the captaincy thing. I think just mm. about. Uh, I, I'm not massively sold on Bielik as a as an out and out defender. You know, I think I think you know we we've seen him get beaten at the front post for for goals, haven't we? In the in the time that he's mm. he's been here as well. <laughs> then so you gain a little bit potentially in defence with Sanderson and lose a little bit without Bielik. So you know you know pick, pick your poison. I'll, I'll, a... my, mine is my I'll say mine Sanderson and Roberts for now. There's a mistake in Bielik, isn't there, to be fair, when he's at the back. I think we saw that against Sunderland, where just before half-time, there was almost second goal, I think, through, through Mundell, when he got in. Bielik took a loose touch and he got in behind and, and outwitted him in the box and really made a good save. So He, he does tend to let it bounce a lot, doesn't or too much, doesn't he? Yeah, Bielik yeah. As well. Yeah, whereas Roberts and Sanderson do just tap the ball, don't they? I think the, the benefits of Bielik being at the back is obvious in that He's better at playing out. He sees those passes through into midfield better than the centre backs Blues have um, see them. So I think that if he's fit, I do think he'll come back into the start at 11. And I, I think because of Sanderson's lack of game time, I think it'll be at his expense. Yeah. Fair. Uh, yeah. Um, next one from John Ramsey. And this is particularly pertinent because we were speaking about this last week, Brian. Uh, what do you know about Ashley Cole's involvement with coaching? It seems more involved now Rooney has gone. I think that's fair to say, isn't it? That he has been far more involved since Wayne Rooney left the building. And obviously, Carl Robinson also went and John O'Shea went as well. Um, there's only Ashley Cole and Pete Shuttleworth remaining at Blues from, from Wayne Rooney's appointed coach and staff. Um, and Cole, from what I'm told, has been very involved in the grass. He's been almost empowered by Tony Mowbray and Mark Venus to to take on more responsibility that he didn't have under Wayne Rooney. I remember when I went to go and see that session that, that Wayne Rooney put on, Ashley Cole did 10 minutes, five, 10 minutes of set-piece coaching at the end. Uh, very limited involvement. And obviously, we know he's he's a coach that's got a fair bit of experience now as a number two in the Premier League and also with with uh, England 21s working under Lee Carsley. So um, he's obviously someone in the, in the development phase. Um, but yeah, from what I'm told, he's now far more involved than he was when Wayne Rooney was uh, was in charge. Yeah, I was watching the warm-up on Saturday at Ipswich and uh, it was Ashley Cole that was in, in the middle of the, mm. the, the the outfield players, the 10 outfield players, um, you know, giving give quite a rousing sort of not a pre-game speech or anything like that, but, you know, just trying to increase the intensity and, and, and get into the place. He was quite animated, actually. Um, and that's the first time I've, I've seen 
you know, Ashley Cole really on the front foot and, and, and taking that lead. And as I think the word you use there is, is a good one. You know, Mowbray's come in and empowered and empowered Cole. And I I, I think he, when we asked, asked Mowbray about who he was going to bring in for his backroom team right at the very outset, he, his, his default position was, well, let's see what we've got. Let's see if we can develop yeah. some coaches as well as some footballers. Um, mm. And that, that's Ashley Cole certainly seems to be getting that opportunity. Hmm. Uh, Liam Pearce, what do you think the main reason why Buchanan isn't playing at the moment is? Um, well, it's quite straightforward, this, isn't it? Yeah, go on, Brian, because I think Buchanan explained this himself to you. Yeah, didn't he, he did. Yeah, yeah, he did. Um, after the Leicester FA Cup tie, Blues put Buchanan um, up for up for interview, and I asked him what the manager had, had said to him, and he said, uh, "Play forward more." Mm. And it was lit- literally that 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 simple. Um, so yeah, I, I, you know, we we could spend the next five minutes talking about why Lee Buchanan isn't playing, but I think that is basically the answer. He wants um, he wants the adventure of of, of Ethan Laird um, on on the pitch, and is is Drame better than Buchanan going forward? He probably is as well, isn't he? Yeah, he's got he... five, he's got five assists, doesn't he? So mm. I, I suspect that I I think. Those are that those are all the stats, and that's all the information we need to know. Unless you can shed any more light on it. No, no, that, that's that's bang on. Uh, I think the only thing I will say as well is, you know, in that first game that Mowbray had against Sunderland, we noticed how much he was getting onto Christian Bielit because every time he got the ball, it was it was caught under his feet, and he was taking seconds to to work out what he was going to do with it before eventually passing sideways. And, and Mowbray didn't want that; he wants players to go forward. And I think not to the same extent, but. He was similar in his reaction to when Lee Buchanan was getting the ball in those first two or three games in that he wanted him to go forward and Buchanan was often taking the easy option and going backwards. And that's just something that's been instilled in him over, over a period of time. Let's be honest, he's a, he's a more defensively minded left back than, than an attacking one. Um, I think he'll eventually get back in the team. I think he'll eventually get it because he's a good player. We've seen that this season, but it's just going to be a case of time for him, I think. Um, yeah, that's it. Uh Last last question from uh, from top of the cop eighteen seventy five. Do you think we are currently getting the best out of Jordan James? Is Tyler Roberts doing enough to keep his place? And when do you think we'll see Pritchard? I said last question. You got three there, Brian. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> do I take the Jordan James one first? Thanks. Um, I guess this comes down to what what do you want from your midfielders? Uh, do you want eight goals or do you want them to be heavily involved all the time? Um, yeah. JJ is impacting games with his goals, isn't he? You know, he, he scored an equaliser against against Swansea. Um, he scored. Uh, was it Blackburn? He scored against as well. Yeah, yeah he did. No, no. Uh, Swansea, Sunderland, Sunderland. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, so he's contributing with goals. <laughs> the tone, of, the point of the question is: is he's playing wide-ish on the left, isn't he? And, and is that the best use of? Jordan James's skills. I mean, is it the best? No, he's a, he's a he's a ball carrying, sort of strong running um, midfielder, isn't he? That, that's that's mm-hmm. going to take the ball upfield, carry the ball upfield, just just because of his physicality and and, he, and his his the pace with which he can he can run with the ball. Um, he gets into good positions in the penalty box, and his finishing is is really quite good. Um, mm-hmm. If you want your Left-sided. I think you want that in the team, uh, and you probably you may want your left-sided um, sort of um, of the three to be to, to be 
to be more a winger Dembele type. Do you think so? If you if you want Jordan James in the team, are you then playing him as a ten? In which case you you're, you're potentially displacing Stansfield or Roberts, which we'll come on to. Or are you playing him as a six in the double pivot? And then I ask you the question, are we getting the best out of JJ in the double pivot? Um, mm. No, I, I agree with the tone of the question or the sentiment of the question is that it feels like there's more to come from JJ and where does he fit in? And I think John Eustace had this issue, didn't he, really? Uh, where where does he fit into this setup? Mm. This this system as well, which Blues play under Eustace and now play under Mowbray, it doesn't really suit him, does it? You know... Yeah. I, I would love to see JJ in, in a full three three as one of the outside number eights. I think yeah. that'd be that'd be his best position because he's got he's got a physicality to him that not many central midfield players have in that he can carry the ball through midfield by himself rather than play through with a pass. Um, that's where I personally think he'll he'll develop long term and become a number eight. Tony Mowbray doesn't have to play that system to suit one player. JJ can play four or five roles in this system and he 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 does them quite well. I don't think we're seeing the best of him in terms of performance levels at the moment. I think he's doing okay, but I don't think we're seeing like brilliant games like we we have at points this season. Um like I think back to Cardiff away, he was absolutely superb that night, almost unplayable. I don't think we're seeing that level of performance, but we are seeing goals. And, you know, he's supplying them more regularly than any Blues player has over the last four months. You know, even more regularly than Stansfield as well. You know, this season, JJ's got eight goals and they've all come pretty much since October. So, um, yeah. And not so, that many starts either. You, no, 17 starts in the league. So, so yeah. 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 Uh, are the other goals maybe just papering over some cracks in, in performance levels? Maybe are the performance levels due to him not being used in his optimal position, probably yes. Mm, yeah. Going on to the second part of that question, uh, with Pritchard, Mark Venus told me last week that he he will train this week, so he should really be in contention for a place on the bench against Southampton, I think. But we'll get again later update at the uh, the press conference on Thursday. Uh, Tyler Roberts, is he doing enough to keep his place? Um, I thought he played really well against Blackburn and Sunderland uh, without the goal. If Tyler Roberts had scored one of those two chances in in the Blackburn game, I think we'd have been you know, looking at that and saying that's an 8 out of 10 performance. He's done really well there. Against Sunderland, I thought he was really effective. He played a key role in the equalising goal. It was it was his persistence that created the chance in the opening in, in the six-yard box for, for Jordan James. Um, I don't, I just, he just wasn't involved against Ipswich, was he? I think... Ipswich are always going to have more possession and they completely dominated the first first half and Roberts was on the fringe of the game. It wasn't really a game for him on, second, on reflection, was it? Um, Blues probably may have been better better suited having another midfield player in there, make them a little bit more combative and solid. Maybe Jordan James could have played 10 and, and Bakuna could have played wide left. Um, it didn't work for Roberts, but I, I you know, would I be surprised to see him start against Southampton? No, because he's played well in, in his last three games, really, on, on the whole, anyway. Mm. Yeah, I, I don't think any of any of those sort of that four, forward four played brilliantly well against mm. Ipswich, to be honest with you. The, the game sort of passed them all by, didn't it? So I, I wouldn't necessarily put... Tyler Roberts wasn't massively effective, but neither was Jay Stansfield particularly, or, or JJ, um, other than the goal. Um, Miyoshi was probably the one that, that you know, had did leave some sort of impact. I thought Miyoshi had a good game. Um, I don't think Roberts will play 90 minutes against 
Southampton and Millwall. Mm. Um, you know, I think I think you know potentially there'll be there'll be some rotation there because you'd be you'd be mindful of his workload. Um, I suppose if you take him out, you bring Bakuna back into the, into the into the into the team. You can't really argue against that, can you? Uh, yeah, it's it's not a massive issue, but it, it's it's something that would be looked at in in the in the coming days. I would say. Mm. Yeah, just quickly before we finish, if you've asked me a month ago, Brian, whether I'd give Blues a prayer against Southampton, I'd have said no because they're on a twenty-six game and beaten run, I think, at one point. But they have lost three of the last four. So, um, are you are you giving Blues a chance? This yeah, I am. Weekend. Yeah, yeah. But I am. Yeah, uh, I. Th- I think, you know, I. Th- I think if the, if the press is right, I think they can win the ball in very dangerous positions, and then it's, mm. uh, and then it, and then it's a case of you know getting that goal, and 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 the game script becomes very different when you when you one nil up, and we saw St Andrews come to life, didn't we? The in the last home game, I'm, I'm mm. not sure it'll, it'll it will be as packed this time. Uh, certainly, there's been no sort of tub thumping Tom Tom Wagner. Um, call to arms, uh, but if if you can if they can get the 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 safe standing area as full as possible again and create that vibe behind the goal, uh, and 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 the fans can can give the players energy on the press, then I I can see I can see Blues getting something. Yeah, obviously, you know they'll have to keep it's about keep then about keeping the door closed at the other end, which will be difficult because. You know, there's a couple of Southampton players that have gotten absolutely no business being in the, in the championship. More than can a couple. I genuinely, yeah, I can see Blues getting a result against Southampton because I think we saw in the first game against Southampton this season when they were just starting that crazy run of form um, that Blues created chances, even though, the, you know, the structure of the team wasn't right at that point, let's be honest. Um, I think Blues can get something. I think they're going to have to settle for far less possession than they would want, than they have had in games under Tony Mowbray. I think you're probably going to be looking at the 25, 30 mark, percent mark possession because Southampton, as we said under Russell Martin, will pass you to death. Um, but it's about making sure they're not passing the ball around dangerous in dangerous areas and making sure that when they're passing it around at the back, the press is right and Blues can win the ball back in Southampton's final third or defensive third even. Um, but yeah, I am giving them a chance. I'm not going to sit here and predict a scoreline that says Blues win because it'll inevitably come back to the But I, I do think Blues have got a chance of getting something in this game. And I also think they've got a chance of getting something against Hull uh, because we've already seen Blues outplay Hull recently. I know it's a very different team, but you know, there's there's I think there's, there's weaknesses in that Hull defence, even though they are very strong going forward. So... I don't think it's all doom and gloom, but we do need to see Blue start picking up points pretty swiftly so that they can, you know, get out of this position again that they found themselves in. Yeah, just just while you were talking there, just checking some stats. Southampton have conceded ten in their last five games. Mm. Um, so yeah, that they're, 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 I do absolutely give them give them a, give them a hope. Yeah, yeah, perfect. That's a, a positive note to finish on, Brian. Um, thanks everyone for uh, for tuning again this week as always we appreciate your takes and, and questions as well and hopefully we'll be uh, reacting to a Birmingham City victory against Southampton this time next week thanks and a big keep right on from both of us